This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS, a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. Hey, Aaron, I'm super excited to have you join me for this episode of Coffee with Closers. Thanks for having me. Most certainly. Every entrepreneur has an interesting story of how they overcame obstacles to become an entrepreneur. I'm sure you have something very similar to share. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. I began my first job. I started with a company called uh, O'Hare Accommodations, and we um, I was their first employee as a part-time employee working full-time somewhere else, and I worked for them for six months part-time, and they hired me on as a uh, manager to start hiring people, and I worked for them. So I got to see how entrepreneurs uh, worked and how a small business worked, and I kind of got the fever. I worked for them for 10 years and grew that business and decided to go out on my own. And so with a six-month-old and a year-and-a-half-old baby, I quit my job and borrowed way too much money, and uh, I started a business and worked 20 hours a day for a lot of a lot of years and um but really took off in the uh hotel business we were um we bought and sold hotel rooms blocks of rooms and sold them to the airlines and after doing that for like i said several years um i had the opportunity the technology was changing this was in the early 2000s and technology was changing, the internet was changing, and it actually, Hotels.com was the first company that approached me years ago to buy our business. And once I kind of heard that and what they were talking about, then I started looking who else might be interested and ended up selling the business. And um, my kids had gotten just a little bit older, and I had an opportunity to take a little time off. And so I spent six months um, with my children when they were young, and that was a really great time in my life to to be able to spend time with them. But of course, I was still at that point, I guess, in my early 30s, wasn't done working. Um, and my brother-in-law, um, my wife's at the time, her family uh, had United GMG, a, or it was, back then it was called United Letter Service. And they had always wanted me to come to work for them, but I had kind of gone down that entrepreneur path on my own, and I wanted to go out that way. Um, so my brother-in-law contacted me after I sold my first business, and he said, okay, you have no excuse now. You've got time, you've got money. Uh, his father and his uncle were ready to uh, think about retiring and getting, you know, selling the business. So we decided to uh, to do that. We ended up um, starting to buy the business from the previous generation. And we took over in uh, 2005. And um, it was something completely new to me. I was in a business services business, and this was manufacturing. And um, they were downtown Chicago and had seven floors and a whole lot of equipment that I knew nothing about. And uh, I went from a company that was probably I don't even remember, maybe doing a million, million and a half in sales to a company that was doing seven million. It was a big difference, different industry. And I quickly found I had a lot to learn. Um, I went from something that I knew everything about to a business that I knew very little about. Thankfully, I had a partner uh, who did. And together, uh, we uh, took on this challenge. 
So it was a very exciting time for us. And uh, we, one of the caveats when I uh, joined with Scott was that we wanted to move the business out to the suburbs. Uh, the company had been in the loop and printer's row for 75 years, and it was time to move with all the rest of the printers and vendors out to the suburbs. So um, that was, we did that within the first year. We moved 78 pieces of equipment, um, you know, had to hire cranes to take out windows to pull out these huge presses and um, moved them out to Elk Grove, where we uh, have stayed in this area ever since. That's crazy because I think in the early days of uh, getting out of the buying and selling hotel rooms, and it was probably the dot-com era, like you said, the hotels.com. Because if you didn't, if you didn't evolve your business and get out of it, you've probably been crushed with those software, you know, those online businesses. Right. It was the investment in the software that made our business attractive, uh, looking for new ways to do things. But it also, um, we didn't have the kind of money that companies like hotels and soon just at, at the time we were selling Orbitz was coming on, Expedia, some of the big players were investing huge sums of money. And I could see that we weren't going to be able to compete without that kind of funding. And it made more sense at that time. Yeah. So. I mean, that's just in any business, right? Because you have to be always be thinking, what what is the innovation that's happening that's right. in the space that's going to eat your business alive? Or is there a big transition that's coming that might not uh, require your service offering, right? Then you need to be proactively thinking, fortunately, you were able to get out of it in right time. One other thing, I think the uh, a big motivating factor, that particular business model was uh, our business was open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Mm. And um, having done that in my previous life and then starting a business in it, um, that's a big responsibility as well. Mm. Um, so I think that coupled with the changing um, business climate made it a good time for us to. So obviously you said you had, you started a business, borrowed a lot of money when you had a, a six-month-old or son at home and you had multiple children since then. So how, talk to us a little bit about how were you as an entrepreneur able to balance the family, business, personal life, yeah. and also community, you know, giving back to the community. So how were you able to balance all of that as an entrepreneur? So I would say... Um, sure, it, it, early on, not well. Um, it was a, a challenge. Work was fun. It was exciting. Um, not that my family and, and it wasn't fun, but my work life, personal life balance was not good. Um, been always active in my church. Um, and I think, uh, I let everything else, I let work come first. And unfortunately, um, even after I sold the business, um, it was not much longer. Unfortunately, I ended up getting divorced, um, which was really hard. So it, was, it was, we had been in business, I think two years, Scott and I had taken over this company and, uh, that personal life trauma was, um, really difficult, played hard, uh, into my personal life and into my business life. And, um, and so I think, it's key when you're an entrepreneur to not only work. We know that we think that it's our livelihood and it's providing for our families and it's giving us our ability to give it our, to help the world and to our churches. But um, I think I learned a very hard lesson that um, there's more to it. And um, so I have been remarried now for 10 years or almost nine years. And um, I learned some 
hard lessons that I was able to apply as we've uh, grown this business, but also in my family. Can you share a little bit about some of the lessons, especially in the entrepreneurial side? Like, what are some lessons that you would give to other uh, entrepreneurs from your life experience? So I think um, as I've gotten older, um, I think planning is a big, is something that I don't know that I did well. Um, so when you're not planning, then you're reacting. And when you're reacting, everything is on fire. <laughs> and um, learning to, to the benefits of planning, um, under, when you're an entrepreneur, some, some people go down the road of creating a whole business plan and a marketing plan and a sales plan before um, they ever get started. But I would venture to say that uh, a large portion of entrepreneurs don't do that. They know how to do something well. They've probably been doing it somewhere else. And they say, hey, I can go do that on my own. And they scrape together some money and they jump into it and they work and they do. And they learn to hire and to help support. But that business lives and dies by their efforts. Um, when you start planning and think about your business and start trusting your employees, it allows you to hopefully get to a point where you're running the business and not just working the business. And um, I think that's where I've seen the biggest change in in our efforts here at United GMG is that we are learning to um, hire smart people, smarter than me. I, I always tell people when I'm looking for someone, I want to hire people that are smarter than me in all the areas. I know a lot about a little, but I want people who are experts on all of those things. A successful entrepreneur knows to surround themselves with the smartest people they can find. And um, and with that, you'll be successful if you take care of those people. Yeah, the funny thing is, you know, entrepreneurship is always um, kind of put in pedestal. People always praise it. You, if you follow anybody on social media, you always see them, you know, they're the rosy, fun, high, you know, high, yeah. high life. But oftentimes they don't understand when you jump into the business world, right? You have to be, you have to know about sales, marketing, finance, HR, operations, negotiation, contracts, and all of those things have to be thought about, right? So that, what advice would you give an entrepreneur, especially when they're pursuing the dream to go start something, they might have that fire of doing something. What advice would you give them? Other than the fact that, yes, you do need really talented people to join the company, yeah. um, but how, how could they be both more prepared to, to succeed and grow? So I read something one time that readers are leaders. And um, though I did have formal schooling, I think the best schooling in my entire life has been reading. Um, and so I would encourage people to, you're going to know your thing, whatever your business is. But like you said, there's much more to it than creating your particular product or widget. Um, you need to be able to, you need to read your your industry information, stay abreast of, of what's happening, be involved in what that te technology is that's changing in your industry, and begin to read about business, about marketing, find good business partners like one IMS for us. Um, and find those same partners in technology and in sales. Um, you don't have to do it all yourself. Finding strong companies to pair with uh, is really important. Like you said, it's tough. We had a whole lot of 65,000 square foot building and a whole lot of equipment, never thinking that we would look like a business that we do today. And when business had a downturn, we weren't prepared. We didn't know how to go from... Um, 
being this big company with a lot of uh, equipment producing everything to the business fell for various economic reasons and poor choices we made. We went from at one point, uh, you know, 60 or 70 people. I think in 2011, we got down to about eight people, eight employees. And that was probably one of the hardest things I had to do in my life was figure out how to do that. Um, and so having that knowledge, what I've learned today is that, you know, you need to make better decisions along the way, not wait until you have no other choice. And we would have been in better shape earlier had we um, not waited until there was just no money left in our pockets. And it was, we're going out of business if we don't make a change. Sometimes you have to make a hard decision, even when it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. So can you t- tell us a little bit about like, uh, how did you re- bounce back? Because obviously, like sure. you said, go from a 70 employee down to eight employees. Obviously, part of it is, you know, our pride and pride get affected a little bit too, right? Like, hey, you had this empire, you built it. Right. Now you have to downsize and then trying to recover back. And, right. and, and you can get your emotion, get in the way of, you know, pr- proactively thinking and thinking strategically to move ahead. So how are you able to overcome that? I think we had a good balance with Scott as a partner. He grew up in this business. You know, they talk about having ink in your blood. Scott has printing ink in his blood. Um, It benefited us that we had a partnership that one of us did not. Um, I did not grow up in this industry. It enabled me to think outside of the box. When we were in pretty bad financial shape, we had to think outside of the box and what could we do? What was happening in our industry? What did we need to invest in? What did we need to change? And um, we naturally uh, would outsource things. So for a long time, we we tried to produce everything, but there are always things that you have to send out. Die cutting or foil stamping are very specialty things. So we would send that out. I started looking at our model and saying, well, what if we outsourced a little bit more? What if we were able to reduce our footprint and reduce potentially some of our staff by outsourcing with some trusted partners and pick one, maybe two? And so we tried that and it started to work. We started to see some change. It got me to thinking, we need to look at everything we do and see, are we supporting it by itself or do we have certain pieces of business that are propping up other parts of the business? And when we did that, we started saying, well, anything that's not supporting itself, we should probably think about having someone else do. Um, We manage the jobs. We're experts in this, in the job planning and getting it done. And when we started that model of outsourcing portions of the business, it's what really turned it around for us. Uh, We slowed the bleeding that we had as a company Um, It allowed us to focus on what we did very well and allowed us to use the experience of the years to pick the right products. As we went through this, we realized, hey, we have a benefit here that some people, I think, in the past might have thought was not a benefit. And that benefit was when someone needed something done, printed, mailed, maybe we had the equipment inside, but maybe we didn't anymore. But the key was we could put we could put their job on the best piece of equipment 
most efficient, cost-effective way of doing it instead of what most companies have to do is they have to fill their machines and their facility. Whether it's the right piece of equipment or not, it doesn't matter. They have a job, they've got to run it on what they have. And sometimes it's not the right piece of equipment. You get better quality somewhere else. You can get better price. You can turn jobs around faster. Um, once we started seeing that change, then it really started clicking that, hey, this is a really good model for us. Um, there are We found partners that became trade only, where they would not sell directly to a customer, and they utilize a company like us to be their sales force. So for about 10 years, we w went almost exclusively to that model. But over the past five to seven years, we've started adding back equipment again. Um, as we have gotten smarter and we see that volume of work that we're sending out, it starts to make sense for us to to bring it back in. Yeah, so, most, from what I'm hearing is you, if you're if you're in a business, you have to have a partner who actually can align with your recommendation strategy, right? Where you see eye to eye and both need to have unique skills and strengths where one can actually, you know, complement the other person's skills or lack thereof, right? And then also being able to adapt as the economy changes or the industry changes, being able to adapt and then bounce back right. uh, from from yeah. the, from the the whatever the the struggles that you may faced. So obviously, was there ever a time in your career where, as the technology evolved, you were resistant to change, and then you had to quickly change your your approach? I think when we were first getting into digital print, we had. Um, we thought, how in the world are we ever going to support this digital press? This comes from a lifetime of, of people in our industry um, printing offset, making plates and getting the ink and hand putting it on there and the whole process of, of still traditional offset print. Um, we were resistant to it, didn't want to do it. We got into it, uh, we tried it, and all of a sudden we realized, wow, this is... Uh, this is really working. It's the growing area. And um, for us, pretty quickly, once we were willing to take that chance, you know, we, at one point we had five digital presses running um, two shifts a day. So it was a, quite a bit. I think that was one area. And then certainly um, digital marketing, which is, which is with you, that I was very resistant to as well. Um, Social media is not a big part of my life. It wasn't then, still isn't personally, but I do see the value in it and see um, how it's being used by a lot of people. And though I might not have caught that bug, um, I was able through with some of your encouragement and some of my other uh, uh, people that are in my core group of, of friends, uh, we kind of talked about how this is gonna change uh, going forward. We dipped one little toe into it and did that for a little while, started seeing successes. And so I think being willing to um, to not just close the door, sometimes we think we know everything and uh, entrepreneurs are, are have to wear a lot of different hats and you have to be somewhat confident in order to do that. But being able to step back and say, hey, you don't know everything and listening to other people um, and be willing to take a chance test things. You don't have to jump fully in, but testing things. And I think that's, like I said, something we experienced with you all with our whole digital marketing. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, readers are leaders. And obviously you have to be always be educating yourself. What are some of the things that you're doing as a, as a leader, as a business owner to continue to improve your skills and, and your knowledge? 
Yeah, so um, I do do a lot of reading, business uh, um, journals, and subscribe to quite a few different uh, business uh, sites in particular for uh, managing small businesses. Um, have done some formal education back into more on the financial side of things, uh, things that um, didn't see as important when I was a younger man. Um, and I also think that we've, uh, which has helped personal development is hiring people from outside our industry. Uh, most recently I hired, uh, actually my sister, um, brought her from another state. Her life was spent in the manufacturing world. Um, big companies like, um, Kohler and, um, I don't know, I can't remember what the, it was a couple of the other big ones, but she spent a lot of time with supply chain and processes and procedures and um, everything's documented. And so by being willing to bring people in that are much brighter than you in areas that you may have a deficit um, and learning from them and hearing, just getting them talking about, well, tell me how you all did this. And by doing that and saying, okay, there's an area that I need to go research because we're not doing that at all. And why aren't we doing that? And how do I learn to lead in that area. And so just as a, a real life example, um, we learned quickly that we don't have good processes in place. Not uncommon for entrepreneurs. Most, if you went into small businesses under $5 million in sales, they're not gonna all have a manual that they're gonna be able to drop on your desk that's gonna have every procedure for their entire workplace. And why is that important? If for nothing else, training. Um, Sometimes the problems we're having are not because of just the economy or just because people are making uh, you hired poorly. It's because they weren't trained well. They weren't trained the same as everyone else. Training also takes much longer when you don't have good procedures in place. So anyway, that's just an example of, of how we learn. We bring on the other thing that we have done is we've made five acquisitions of small businesses in different industries. And again, I believe that has helped me grow by being willing, again, to listen to people who are very smart in their areas. And what I've really learned is that you bring on a business, you may do a lot of the same things, but oftentimes they have a specialty that you didn't, or they do something much better than you did. And by taking that information and not trying to force them, I'm already, I already know what I'm doing, but being willing to say, wow, that's better, you know, being open to that. Yeah, so. I think that's a, a big advice for entrepreneurs because I think a lot of times they get, they've been in the industry so long yeah. that they feel like they figured out everything that they need to know, but yeah. not having the humility to recognize, well, there may be somebody else got some other ideas that I probably could learn from. And especially when you talk about reading, that also like sometimes people just assume, well, I already learned everything I need to know. Right. Why do I need you to read another business book? But you just get one nugget uh, right. that oftentimes could be extremely uh, useful in your life. And I have had one guest that uh, tells me like someone writes a book that's probably 20 years of their life experience of all they're learning and put it into 150 pages. You just, you know, speed read that book and right. you shortcut some of the successes uh, some of the failures that someone had actually made it. Right. So, you know, you think the $14, $18 for a book is, you know, you think it was a waste. No, you, you probably are learning a lot from right. just reading that book and probably going through it yourself and learn, right. learning the hard way. So let's, yeah, go ahead. You I would just say, and I think the, the other thing that has impacted how I learn and how I run this business is, is also in my faith. 
um, as you grow in my walk as a Christian, it impacts everything. We recently, we never really had core values. We wrote our core values. And where that started for me as an entrepreneur was, well, what's my, what am I living for? You know, and by, it's been interesting to see the impact it's had in the office. Just a simple, one of our core values is do the right thing always. It sounds simple. Oh, we're going to do the right thing. But when you break that down into every decision, everything we do, and in the beginning, I had people that would come back and they would throw it back at me because, well, you said we're going to do the right thing every time. And you find out we don't always, we don't even consciously make a decision. But anyway, um, I think that really has helped mold me into changing our business to what's important um, and believing that that's one of the gifts I have to give is to um, impart that into this business. So. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about core values, those are decision-making principles that you have as a company. Well, are we even going to take that job or are we going to say no to a customer right. that serves in a certain market that That's ethically right. don't align with our business or whatever, right? It's very so, difficult. Exactly. So let's talk about that decision-making framework. Do you as an entrepreneur, especially you have to make decisions about, and like you said, you've made five acquisition, hiring people. Uh, maybe buying new machines, uh, expanding, you know, getting into new industries or offering a new product. There's a lot of strategic decisions that you have to make. So what is kind of your decision-making criteria? How do you go about making very you know, big decisions? The bigger the decision, the more time we spend in, my wife and I will spend in prayer, um, the more time I'm going to spend with my uh, support network in uh, how we make that decision. Um, and I do believe, you know, kind of, I'm one of those gut feeling kind of guys, you know, I know that that's also as a Christian, that's the Holy Spirit working in me as well. But um, you're going to do your research. I'm going to do all of the uh, logical and analytical things that we can. But at the end of the day, most of my decisions are based on people. And if we're going to buy a company, they can have the greatest numbers. But if, if the people connection isn't there if, if if we're misaligned on how we view things or core values things that we're making decisions then we just can't go down that road and we've made decisions not to uh, buy companies that might have on paper been a slam dunk but after spending more time you could see this is going to probably be a problem so i think that's a a, a big part of us is is prayer it's people um and it's, I guess that's probably the biggest thing. That's for getting business, vendors, everything we do. It's about who are you working with? I know we're caught up in being behind computers and all of that. But even then, you still talk to people. You're still communicating with people. Um, just on the side note, we've started doing um, video emails. And what an interesting thing. You think, well, what in the world do you need to set a video for an email? But again, it's getting back to that personal connection a little bit. Someone can see you and see that you're a real person and not just words behind a computer. It's been, been a great thing. So people and knowing, um, and again, my my gut, my faith and, and, and how I'm going to be guided. Um, if it's decisions on whether or not to take work or not, again, a lot of that's being guided by you know my personal faith in things. It is, there are difficult, difficult things in our country um, that um, we have to take one at a time. There are some absolutes that we as a company and everybody here knows kind of what our absolutes are. 
And then there are those that we have to talk through and we talk through a management team and we're not always on the same page on that. Um, so it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. Most definitely. Like you said, I think when you do videos, right, it's a little harder to look into a camera and tell somebody, make a promise that you can't really keep, right? right? You can hide behind an email, but it's a lot harder to do with a video. So you'll be much more uh, genuine and open and people actually can see that in you as a a person when you do those calls. So obviously you've had a lot of experience in the entrepreneurial journey, right? You've learned a lot in these years. So knowing what what you know today, what advice would you give your younger self? I think uh, number one, spend some time in accounting. (laughs) I think you started off saying that, you know, there's many of those components and being someone who naturally is enjoys talking with people and um you know i i have some leadership skills and all those things came naturally the analytics and the um financial part of it is probably something that i really uh would tell myself yes take one more accounting class even though it's your least favorite class um and and i think understanding uh, measuring things is important. Um, we struggle with that even today, but knowing that don't do something without knowing what was its end result and did it benefit the business? Because if you don't know, then why are you doing it? And, uh, and again, I don't think I knew that. Um, and I think probably the number one thing is make sure you know what's important in your life. Uh, you know, I'm in my mid fifties now I can see the end, end of the road here somewhere. Um, and knowing had I been thinking that way, you know, 30 years ago, my life might've taken a different course. It's in God's plan, however it was, but, um, might've been a lot less painful journey along the way. Um, family's gotta be ahead of everything. And, and I lost sight of that. Yeah. So yeah, I think I've heard someone say, no one ever came to their deathbed and said, I wish I had spent more time at <laughs> right. the office. Right. Right. Yeah, like I, I think it really is, is about the family because we do, we make a lot of sacrifices for our family, but sometimes yeah. at the expense of our family. That's right. So, yeah. well, Aaron, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, Thank you for too. sparing this afternoon with me yeah. and sharing some of your experience. Great. Thank you very much. Yeah. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com. If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe.